Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, well, welcome to week two of our sermon series. We are calling it Uphill Habits, and I'll just get to that in a second. But first, I want to introduce myself, if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet. My name is JJ, and alongside my wife Liz and I, uh, we are the lead pastors of Journey Church. It's the honor, the joy, the privilege of, uh, of our lives to do it. Before we continue, got to give a special shout out to my mother-in-law who turned 71 years old. And happy birthday. I got to do that. I got to do that. See, because... She, uh, that's her husband. Don't mind him, he crazy. Um, and because uh, she's, she's a gift to us. And so welcome, we're, we're so great, uh, grateful that you're here. We're excited about what God's doing. Uh, I want to get into the message today because I, I believe there's a power on it. We had an amazing uh, 9.30 a.m. worship experience. I was going to get to the 11. God was doing some things. Uh, but I believe he's going to do something special uh, today. I just want to echo some of the stuff Jenny said first off. Um, if you have this call to love people, to care for people, to pastor people, to shepherd people, we want to invite you to small group leadership training right after this worship experience. We got food, we got childcare, we need you. Um, our church has grown from 500 in three months, from 500 to 800 people in three months. And uh, I don't know where y'all came from, <laughs> but, um, but where you been? No, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're here, but here's the deal to, to, to our church members who are ready to make a difference in someone's life. Uh, we can't care for everybody. We can't pastor everybody. And so by leading a group, you really join on the mission of walking with others uh, in their walk with Christ. And so what I love about small groups is the leader doesn't have to be perfect. He's not saying he's better than anybody. He's saying, hey, I got some issues. Let's work on our issues together. Matter of fact, I think that's one of the best things about a small group. You meet people who are more messed up than you. It's so encouraging, you know. <laughs> You thought you were bad, and you're like, oh, brother, no, I don't need prayer. Let's, can we do a thing for him right here? Because forget me. And it's just so encouraging. <laughs> um, and so there's that. And then, hey, uh, if you are new, um, you know, it's January. A lot of people are, are getting right back into the swing of things. And so if you are new and you're looking for a church home, uh, Journey Church, will you welcome them one more time? Just thank you for coming. You're a first-time guest. Hey, look no further. We believe you found home. We really do believe that. And uh, if you came, you actually came in the middle of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's right. We are in, uh, we are in week two. And all the new people are like, nah, I'm out. I didn't know it was that kind of church. I was just going to eat my burgers and drink my wine. And, um, and uh, no, you don't have to join us. But, uh, hey, anybody hungry, say amen if you're hungry. Amen. Amen. Um, but, but the Lord is good. And uh, some mercy endureth forever. And... Uh, by golly, I'm good. And, uh, no, it's actually been amazing. God's been doing some really cool things. And I'm not one to exaggerate. I, I tend to exaggerate. But uh, I'm going to tell you something that is from the bottom of my heart. I believe we are entering into a season that I don't know how long it will last. And this might scare some people depending on the way you were brought up in church. I, I believe we're entering into a season of signs, wonders, and miracles. Just hearing what I'm saying. And, uh, and I'm, you don't believe, if you don't believe that God does those things. I want you to know that, that he does. And uh, we got two testimonies this week alone in our first week of fasting that I just feel compelled to share. One was from a, a woman who came to our first Thursday. Uh, 
she was struggling with debilitating, debilitating neck pain. She could not sleep uh, night after night. It was, it was, it was hurt, hurtful. Um, she was also a, a, a mother of young children, and so she would have to get up, take care of the kids, and then go back to bed. It just wasn't happening. She was not sleeping well. And so on first Thursday, we were just praying, and we were doing spiritual warfare. And we were just praying against the enemy and asking him to get his hand off of our bodies, off our minds, our families, off our loved ones, of our finances. And so she laid her hand on her neck. Nobody prayed for her. She prayed for herself. Put her hand on her neck, prayed for her. She said the pain was gone as soon as she stopped praying, completely gone. And, uh, and so I said, <laughs> she said, she said she wanted to tell me right there and then, but she wanted to wait till next Thursday to see if it was real or if it was just like in a moment. <laughs> she said that. She was like, so I waited a week. I waited a week, Pastor. So she waited a week. She came up to me at our prayer service on Thursday, and she shared with me the testimony. She said, one week later, and I'm still healed. My neck feels fine. She did one of these things. I was like, amen. I said, awesome. So great to hear. And that same night on Thursday night, God had already been whispering to me that he wanted to do something supernatural uh, in our midst and in our city. And so that same night, uh, she asked me, have you been praying for this? I said, yeah, I've been praying for this. She said, well, let your faith be encouraged because it's happening. And uh, so that same night, uh, someone else reached out to me. Uh, she's a friend, and she has a husband who's been struggling with mental illness. Mental illness is a terrible and real thing. And if you struggle with it, know that we're praying for you. Seek help. Get friends. Join a group. Uh, cut out social media. These are some things you can do. But prayer, boy, prayer. And so she reached out to me um, at night. It was late. I'm usually not even up that late. I don't know what I was even up that late. Sent me a DM. By the way, if you ever want to get a hold of me, uh, the best way to get a hold of me is through DM. I'm not saying you will. I'm just saying it's your best way. Okay, so she got through me through DM, and, uh, and she said, hey, can you pray for my husband? Um, I feel like I'm losing him. He's not the man that I married, and he's fading. He's fading. We had already known that he'd been battling with this for a while because he had previously been dopey like this. And so that night, I stopped what I was doing, got out of bed, began to pray for him. Woke up early, 4 in the morning, began to pray for him some more. Just believing, God, come on, you did this in her neck. Now can you do this in this woman's mind? And on Friday, uh, I got this uh, testimony that he sent me. And he said, can you please, can you please share it? So this is on his request. He wants to share this with you uh, from him. From any, for anyone who has been struggling with whether or not prayer works or if God is even listening, I can tell this. I have been struggling through mental illness most of my life due to things in my childhood, but mainly my military experience. Even though I've had many suicide attempts in the past, somehow God saves me from myself every time. Yesterday was the two-year anniversary of when I was Baker Acted for seven days in Central Florida Behavior Mental Institution for Rehabilitation. I lost my job as a medical professional as a result, making $120,000 a year. My wife was heartbroken, seeing me filled with bitterness and darkness, but no matter what, I always pushed forward towards the light. On Friday, it was one of the worst days of my life. It felt like I could not, that's the Friday that we were praying for him, because sometimes prayer works like that. Sometimes prayer feels like it's frustrating in the beginning until the breakthrough comes. Um, and so on Friday, it was one of the worst days of my life and felt like I could not push anymore. I felt like throwing in the towel because I struggled with how long was God going to make me wait before he shows up. But despite all the odds against me, in the middle of that chaos, God came through. My parent came forward and apologized for emotional scars from my childhood. I got word that I officially no longer need to worry about finances for the rest of my life because I want a court case against the government in my favor. 
all on the same day we've been praying, y'all, I felt an uncontrollable healing in my mind and in my body. I started to shake in joy, began to pray, laugh, speak in tongues, cry tears of pure joy in the spirit. For the first time in four years, I could feel God's very hand wiping away all my pain and giving me a fresh new start. If you are wondering when God is going to show up, it's when you feel like you're going to tap out. So don't tap out, tap God in. Come on, if you believe God still does miracles, give him some praise. If you need a miracle, give him some praise. He still does miracles. And he's doing them. And so I don't know how long we'll be in this season, but I'm going to ring it out for everything he's got. Come to prayer every Wednesday at Rollins College. Send us emails. There's a team of people. We've got a prayer team. We've got people behind the curtain right now praying. And, uh, and you guys are like, well, I want the practical stuff. I want to learn how to the five steps. To, we do that here. We do that here too. But there are some things only prayer can do. And if you invite God into your issues, God will do what only God can do. And what God can do is 100% freedom. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Can you tell it's going to be a good Sunday today? Can you tell? Well, hey, last week we began a sermon series called Uphill Habits. And the reason why we called it Uphill Habits is because we believe that many of us have uphill habits, have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. You know, we have a, a hope to save up money for a down payment on a house, but we got bad spending. That's right, we got bad habits. And until we align our habits with our hopes, we will never experience the fullness of the hope that God has called us to. And we said that if you were able to form new habits, those new habits will form a new you. Amen. And that's what we said. Everybody's like, new year, new you. Amen. But you'll never get to that new you if you don't form new habits. Resolutions are great and goals are great, but they're great for inspiration, but they're terrible for transformation. A resolution and a goal can get me started, but what's actually going to get me there, come on somebody, is going to be a change in my daily life, change in my nine to five, a change on my schedules. If it's not on your calendar, it's not going to happen in your life. If it's not on your calendar, it's not going to happen in your bank account. If it's not on your calendar, it's not going to happen in your spirit. If it's not on your calendar, it's not going to happen in your marriage. If it's not on your calendar, it's not going to happen. And so we got to shift those habits towards God. And then we said that the first habit we want to get in place is what's called the keystone habit. It's the, it's the habit that if you get that thing right, everything else in your life will get right as well. And we talked about the keystone habit is putting God first, focusing on putting God first in your life. And if you did that, all of the things would align according to the promises of Matthew. Chapter 6, verse 33, that says, seek first, 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 somebody say first. first. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things shall be added unto thee. And today I want to add another habit to your arsenal. We're going to be talking about four habits that if you get those in line and right this year, you will be the you God called you to be in 2019. That's the first habit. Here's the second habit. I want you to learn to make it a habit. Make it a habit. Make it a habit to hold that thought. To hold that thought. That is the title of today's sermon. Hold that thought. Look at your neighbor to your left or your right and say, neighbor, I'm sure your week was pretty interesting. But I'm going to need you to hold that thought. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Hold that thought right there. And here's what I'm going to talk about today in the next 34 minutes that we have remaining. I don't know, maybe you'll be interested. I want to talk about how to control your thoughts. Anybody need to hear this today? How to, how to control uh, your, your thoughts. And, it's, and we're coming out of a, a principle in the Bible, which is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 3. It says this, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Last week I told you we are what we repeatedly do. 
I want to add to that this morning and say that we are what we repeatedly think. Because in all truth, in action, it doesn't start out as an action. In action is first conceived as a thought. And many of us are trying to kill these grown giants called bad habits. But by the time we encounter them, they're grown giants. The best thing is to get into your spiritual mental time machine. And, 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 and the analogy is not good, but kill it when it's a baby. Let's move on. Uh, you want to get it when it's young, when it's small, when it has no defenses. You want to get it while it's still a thought. While it's still a thought. Thoughts are powerful. Yeah, thoughts, thoughts have the ability to, to make us do things, and thoughts have the ability to keep us locked up into things. And I want to say this, and you need to hear this. This is going to blow your mind. But the reason why we struggle with the same things year after year is because we keep wrestling with the same thoughts year after year. You know, when I was a kid, um, my grandmother, God bless her, her heart, she did her best to raise us, uh, you know, in Christian, in Christian roots. But she didn't have a lot of things going in her favor. First off, she was just super old school, like she even grew up in the Catholic church. So like her theology was like mixture Catholicism, mixture like, like weird tribal stuff, <laughs> mixture evangel you know, evangelicalism, mixture like I love you, JJ. And so, um, so as a kid growing up, I, there was an issue. I would always try to get up out of bed and, and kind of get snacks. And uh, she was afraid because we lived in the hood. She lived in Brooklyn. It was not a safe place. She didn't want us to get up out of bed, wander, and meet some, you know, unsavory folks. And so she would say, hey, stay in bed. Make sure you stay in bed. When it's nighttime, stay in bed. And, but I wouldn't listen. I'd get out. So finally she caught me one day out, and she put me in bed. She says, JJ, I need to tell you something. This is what God says. <laughs> and she took her Bible out. She didn't open it, but she took it out. And she said, and she said I want to tell you what's in this book. The Bible says, JJ, okay, and I don't know if you have a old Latin grandmother or a no of an old Latin grandmother. Maybe your grandma told you this, but she said, the Bible says that there is a man who lives under your bed. She said, and if you get out of bed at night again, she said, this man will drag you to hell, JJ. Just like that. I'm like, Grandma, no! Like, where does it say that in the Bible? She was like, oh, it says it. Oh, it says it. So it's crazy. One night I had to really use the bathroom. So I'm lying in bed and I'm just like, I got to go. I got to go. I was like, what if I, if I go in here, it's going to be a problem. What if I go out there, he's going to get me. And all of a sudden the thought hit my mind. I wonder how long this guy's arms are. So I stepped up on my bed. It was a small little bed. You know, we had like the beds in that little room in Brooklyn. It was about two feet, three, maybe two and a half feet wide. I got as much of a runway as I could. First up against the wall. You know, the little stretching. You know. <laughs> I ran like, you know, just fast as I could. I sprung on the edge. Ah! In your face, man, under the bed. I had made it. I thought I was... You know, home free. Until I realized I had to get back in the bed. <laughs> At which point I did another, just like Olympic, like a long jump back onto the. And it's the craziest thing, guys. Even when I realized that she was wrong and we needed to pray for her and she was off. And it was crazy. And I was 16, 17. I'd get up in the middle of the night, guys, for the longest time. Like, I'm pushing 20 and I know this is real. <laughs> and when I got to get out the bed, I would take the biggest step. Almost like if it had become a. 
What's interesting to me is that what was keeping me down and holding me back wasn't a monster. It was a thought. So let me ask you, do you have a monster living under your bed? Because if I asked you what was holding you back, what was keeping you down from becoming the person that you were called to be in 2019, you would probably point to a monstrous person. You would probably point to a monstrous event, something terrible that happened to you. You would probably point to a a monstrous financial situation or maybe a monstrous health condition. But here's what I've realized. It's never the thing that holds us back. It's always how we choose to think about the thing. I mean, when I was younger, you guys know my story. I used to be a five-star baseball recruit. You laughing? In third grade. I was killing it in Little League. I got trophies. I got, I got stickers. I got <laughs> news articles, okay? I got real stuff too, news articles to prove it. I remember being so good in Little League and then trying out for my, 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 uh, my high school varsity team, not making it, not making junior varsity, not even making the practice squad. The, the coach was just like, you need another calling. You need another dream. And I remember walking away from that situation thinking I am a terrible baseball player. Because I thought to myself I am a terrible baseball player, I stopped practicing baseball and became what I thought I was. I could be a professional baseball player right now. I could be making millions of dollars. We'd be in a permanent facility right now, I'll tell you that. We wouldn't be mean at Winter Park High School. I'd buy one of them big ones over there because I'll just work Monday through Saturday, can't play games on Sunday, got to come to church and preach and go back out. You know, you laugh, but Michael Jordan didn't make the cut in his high school basketball team either. But he thought about the thing differently than I thought about it. I thought about my setback, and I said, I'm bad. I'm a bad player. He thought about his setback, and he thought, they're bad evaluators. I don't know what they think. I'm great. Come on, I need somebody to look at the circumstances in their life and go, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're telling me. I'm great. I'm called. I'm chosen. I got a passion on my I don't know about what you. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Listen. It's never the thing. I don't know what 2019 is going to bring your way. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could give you a heads up. I wish I could tell you when it was coming, you know. Put it on your calendar. You're like, really pray that week. And I wish I could give you a heads up. I don't know. I do know it, might, it will be difficult. I do know something's going to come that's going to attempt to derail all of the momentum that you've gained in these 21 days. I don't know. All I do know is that whatever you go through, please hear me, it does not have to define you. It will not define your 2019 because the things, the persecution, the problem, the issues, the things in our life do not define us. But how we think about those things will define us. I know that's a problem for a lot of people. A lot of people say, well, Pastor, that's a problem. Because if my thoughts are going to define who I am, all y'all in trouble. Because I've got some crazy thoughts. Oh, don't leave me hanging here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some crazy thought. Raise your hand if you got some crazy thought. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was preaching to Jesus this morning. Raise your hand if you got some crazy thoughts. Like thoughts you don't want to tell nobody. Like some weird stuff. Hey, and say amen if the weirdest thoughts come when you're praying. Oh my goodness. And it always gets weird before it goes off the rails. You know what I'm saying? Like I was praying the other day. I'll just tell you what happened to me. I was praying the other day and I was like, God, you are the king of the universe. That's a good line. You're the creator of heaven. That's fine. And earth. Amen. And all the stars. Okay. <laughs> and then I was like, I, was, I don't know, I ran out of words. I was like, and you're the creator and the king of, 
You're the king of Mars, Lord. <laughs> king of Jupiter, God. I just, starting to go crazy. You're the king of Saturn, my Lord. Jeez, Saturn. You rule Saturn. <laughs> There's any aliens on there? You rule. You rule them. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I was like, I was like, Saturn. I used to drive a Saturn. <laughs> what, what did I have in the Saturns? <laughs> oh, I went bankrupt, bankrupt. Bankrupt? How much money I got in my savings right now? <laughs> Come on, you ain't what I'm talking about. Pa, 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 All of a sudden, you're like somewhere you never planned to be, and you catch yourself, and you're like, Jesus, Jesus, uh, Father, just, uh, I don't know what that was, Jesus, uh. Hey, 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 and I'm being nice. Hear me. That's the PG version. I'm giving y'all the PG version because if I told you what I really thought when I was praying, you would find another church. I know it. That was the PG version. And here's the biggest, the biggest problem I have. I don't even think that I can help thinking about what I'm thinking about. If it was one thing, if there was like a line that they had to ask for permission, I don't even... I don't even know if I can stop it. I don't even know if I can help stop thinking about what I'm, what I'm thinking about. And for a lot of us, those thoughts, you know, those thoughts of negativity, those thoughts of self-deprecation, those thoughts of insecurity, those thoughts of loneliness, it's like an it's like like unwelcome cockroach in the kitchen. And if that sounds oddly specific, that's because I have recently been struggling with some unwelcome cockroaches in my kitchen. Now, I need to give you a disclaimer because y'all don't know me. Y'all like, pastor's dirty. Pastor ain't dirty, all right? If you've been in my house, you know. I'm one of the cleanest people you know. If you've been in my house, say amen because they don't know. Say amen. All right. So the rest are like, I've never been to pastor's house. Um, <laughs> hey, Liz, we make sure that the floors are clean once a, uh, uh, once a week. Uh, all of our dishes are put away. There's no food left in the sink. The trash goes out. Um, our children take baths. Like, we do it all. But somehow they got there, you know, and it's just like that. We don't know how they got there, okay? No one invited them, and they're hard to get rid of. Exterminator came in. I said, I need these out. Out, out. He said, he said all right, we're going to lay some traps. I said, no. Mm -mm. Bring out the tent. Bring out the tent. I want the big circus thing I've seen in the movies. I, want, I don't want no, no traps here, okay? This is the house of the Lord. This is the house of the man of God. I had no demonic little roaches in the name of Jesus. We'll find a place to live for a week. Just come on. He said, you can't kill this type that way. I said, well, how do you get rid of them? He said, you don't. He said, you lay traps and you catch them because if you catch them, you keep them from multiplying. We don't kill bad thoughts. We catch them and we keep them from multiplying. Here's what the Lord told me. You can't help it if it enters, but you can keep it from festering. I don't have to entertain every thought that enters my mind. Just because you came in doesn't mean you got to stay. There was a youth in my youth group one time when I was a youth pastor. I was preaching on purity. There was a guy's conference type of thing. And I was like, and guys, you got to guard your eyes and you got to guard your heart. And that pretty girl walks by. You know, you got to just focus on the Lord and just keep it all in your mind, you know. And, and this one young person came up to me at the end. It's a move of God. It was real great. Can listen to me anyways, Pastor, I just want to ask you a question. 
I'm like, yo, I thought it was going to be some, like, deep biblical. He was like, I asked you a question. I'm like, go ahead and shoot. He goes, um, uh, have you ever seen a beautiful woman? I'm like, I married one, sucker. I see one every day. You know what I'm saying? I got to take advantage of this microphone while I have it. You know what I'm saying? I got some points. He goes, man, I just see beautiful women everywhere I go, man. I can't help it if my mom racist. Well, I go, well, here, I'll bro, chill out. It's one thing to see a beautiful woman and, and think to yourself, man, she's beautiful. Just give God glory. You did good. <laughs> bro. Five stars. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You did good. It's one If you're new to our church, <laughs> this is us every Sunday. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but it's another thing to imagine you and that girl on the seashores of Cozumel sipping alcohol out of coconuts in your underwear. <laughs> it's just different. My pastor used to tell me, so I can't help it if a bird flies overhead. But I can keep it from landing on my head, building a nest, and laying eggs. Can't prevent that, and so that's what we do when the thoughts come. See, we can't really, we can't really kill them, but we can capture them, capture them, and that's not the exterminator preaching, and that's not JJ preaching, that's Paul preaching. That's the Bible. That's God. Second Corinthians. You can see it on the screen if you don't have it. Second Corinthians chapter ten verse five. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take. Say this word with me. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And there's a couple of things you got to understand about this. In the beginning here, we demolish arguments and pretension. Uh, in the Greek, these terms, argument and pretension, are actually military terms. The word argument, um, even in different versions of the Bible, is actually translated to defenses. So, you know, if you watch, like, you know, Game of Thrones, it's like a big wall. You know, I don't watch it. Um, but if you watch it, you know, there's a big wall. And that's a defense. That's a defenses, okay? That's what the word arguments means, defenses. And then pretensions actually means high places. And so in the military terminology, that would be the tower that stood outside of the wall where the archers stood to keep the enemy at bay, all right? And so you've got towers and you've got walls. And this is important because Paul is saying God wants to come into your life and he wants to change the way you think. But in order to change the way you think, he's got to get past your defenses. Because what happens is, see, the devil has taken residence in your mind. He has said he's taking up residence in your mind. So when you decide to follow Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your heart is already occupied. This is a, this is a closed case. But your mind is an open battlefield. And so what the devil does is he gets into corners of your mind through parents, through relationships, through breakups, uh, and creates strongholds. Uh, probably most relevant for where we are in America today, um, racism could be a stronghold. Politics could be a stronghold. There are places that we get into and we set up defenses. And it's so crazy because whenever someone tries to change your way of thinking, you get defensive. Have you ever noticed that? You can talk about this, you can talk about that. But when you challenge my paradigms, the walls go up. Don't challenge the way I think. It's not really you. It's the enemy who's trying to guard and keep you in a stronghold. And what God and what Paul is saying is, hey, we got to take down those defenses. And here are the two defenses. Here are the two things that we will always put up when someone tries to challenge the way we think. An argument or our pride. Now, someone says, I would never argue with God. I would do whatever God tells me. Yeah, you say that, yet you argue with your wife. 
when God could be speaking through you to your wife. All the wives, that was your chance to amen. That was your chance to stand up. That was your chance to throw something at me. You even got to look at your husband. You could just say amen and right there, bam, you got him. So all my teenagers and all my kids who are sitting in the, in the audience saying, listen, you say, well, I would never argue with God, yet you choose not to listen to your parents. When sometimes God can be speaking to you through your parents. You got the word of God. And sometimes we argue with it. We argue with it and we get prideful with it. God's trying to change us. We don't want to do it. And so God will say something like, love your enemies. And then you'll say, and then what you'll do to God when he says love your enemies is you'll give your God a list of all the things that person did wrong. And what we're doing, we're resisting change through an argument. Or we'll say, he'll say, hey, forgive that person that did you wrong. You know you ought to forgive them. Forgive. Forgive those who hurt you. Forgive them. Forgive them. And you're like, yeah, I'll forgive them when they ask for forgiveness. When they know that they did wrong, then I'll forgive them. Pride. Pride. Hey, be generous. Give away. Hey, if you live in the United States, you're in the top 5% of income in the entire world. You got money. Be generous. Bless somebody on the street. Help somebody. Give to a charity. And you're like, and you respond to that with like your grocery list. And you're like, yeah, you have all these outstanding bills I have. An argument. Hey, join a small group. There's some things in life that you can't get through by myself. I got this. Don't worry. I got this. Me and God, we're going to deliver myself. We got this. Pride. You got to lay those things down. Now, how do you lay those things down? Through the power of the word of God. God says, my word is an authority that demolishes those strongholds. But in order to do it, you got to give this word permission to have that power and authority over your life. I'll never forget my dad. I would argue with my dad all the time. I think that, you know, I was always called to be a communicator because I loved building defenses and arguments. And a lot of times I would argue with my dad. We, we, we just didn't see the world the same way. And so I would give him my perspective. He would, he would give me his perspective. And, and I was really good. And I could have sworn I won some arguments, man. And even sometimes, even sometimes I would revert to the Bible to really convince him. Which is just a side note. Never use the Bible on a loved one to convince them of something. My aunt told me that. And I'll never forget it. She said they're called Bible verses, not bullets. Never use them to win an argument. Never use them to convince somebody. They're for you. They're for you. Somebody say, it's for me. That'll set you free right there. You could go home. <laughs> it's for me. The moment you read that and think about someone else, mm -mm, it's for you. <laughs> anyway, it's good. That's good. I don't care if you say amen or not. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was good. So I would argue, and it would be his turn. And I'm expecting a counter argument. I didn't get one. Or at least I didn't get the one I was expecting. He goes, okay, okay, my turn, my turn, my turn. Ready? Here's why you got to do it. Because I said so. <laughs> because I'm the one who owns this house. Because I have all authority in this house. I got all power in this house. And in this house, my word is final. So, hey, you make some pretty good arguments, but here's the final argument. My house. Well, I got something to tell you about the universe. It's his house. And you got to learn the power and authority of this because I want to introduce you to a really great arguer, a really great uh, uh, accuser. His name is called Satan. And what he's going to try to do is he's going to try to uh, uh, kind of get the facts around you. And he's going to try to get information around you to convince you that you're not who God says you are. He's going to try to convince you that you're a loser. He's going to try to convince you that you got nothing. And when he does that, you got to be like, hey, that's a good point. Um, but, 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 but he says so. And if God said it, then it is what it is. This ain't your house, devil. You lost it on the cross 2,000 years ago. Now it's why he says go. And he says, I'm free. He says I'm called. He says I'm chosen. He says I'm loved. He says I'm wanted. He says I got a future. He says he's got plans. And you make a good point. Hey, you're right, but he says so. He says so. And when the walls come down, then you can take that thought captive. Somebody say captive. 
the Greek right there, since it's in the military context, actually means a prisoner of war. A terrorist that you caught. And now it's yours to do with what you will. Now, lucky for you, I know a little bit about terrorism. Um, uh, I used to watch a show called 24. If you're young, you don't know about 24. 24 was this show with this dude. He's like Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer's the real deal, okay? Whoever you think is cool now, Jack Bauer. That's who that was. And he worked for the counterterrorism unit. And every time I learned something about capturing a terrorist, whenever he captured a terrorist, he would always bring that terrorist into the interrogation room. And he would ask that terrorist some questions. You see, here's what, I, here's what I've learned. Some of us, listen, we got to learn to stop so that we can think about what we're thinking about. And here's something you can write down. You need to learn to interrogate your imagination. When your imagination begins to fill your mind, you need to begin to sit your, you need to sit your imagination down. Imagination chill out. I got some questions to ask you. And there's always two questions that Jack Bauer would ask the terrorists when he sat down. Here was question number one. It's not on the screen, but you want to write it down. Here's question number one. He would ask the, he would ask the terrorists, he said, where did you come from? Because I got to find out the source so that I can cut it at the source. Where did you come from? Listen, don't get offended, but I almost called this sermon, where, what in hell are you thinking? Because some of the thoughts that fill your mind come directly from the pit of hell. Directly from Satan and his demons' lips to your ears. That's not God. And I'll tell you another thing. Sometimes I get, in, I can't figure out what the thought is. Have you ever been hit by so many thoughts at one time that you don't even really, you can't even really isolate a thought. All you're left with is a feeling. Like they're coming from everywhere. So you're like, I don't even know. Like someone asks you what's wrong. You're like, oh, well. <laughs> I want to tell you, but <laughs> oh, well. Right? Been there? Here's what I've learned. If I can't analyze the thought, I'll analyze the feeling. And if the feeling isn't love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, then I tell the thought and the feeling to go back to hell where it came from. Because the thoughts that my father implants in my head are thoughts that will uplift me, are thoughts that will make me strong, are thoughts that will encourage me, are thoughts that will build me up. And the moment you identify a thought from hell, you need to send it right back where it came from. You hear me? Here's what God told me to tell you. You need to learn how to set up TSA in your mind. Before that thought gets on, you like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, beep, 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 beep. We're going to have to put you through some tests, though. We're going to have to put you through some tests. Can you please step over here to the corner? The rest of the thoughts we're going to get to in a moment. Hold on, though. What did you say your name was? Uh, sorry, I'm the thought. You're a loser. I'd like to onboard, please. I got a list. Hold on. Let me check the list real quick. Let me check the list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm sorry, this says that I'm more than a conqueror. So, so you're not on the list. You can't get on. I'm sorry. You want to you wanna try that again? Maybe you go by another name. Yeah, uh, you're addicted. Uh, you're depressed. You're going to be struggling for the rest of your life. Okay, just one second. Just one second. Sorry, this says when the sun sets free, it's free indeed. So I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I used to be that way, but then Jesus got a hold of my heart. And when he did, he took every demon and devil and thought and bondage and he broke it. And he let me on my life. I don't know you. 
So thought you got to go. Listen, I ain't trying to cuss. I'm just saying you need to tell that thought. You don't got to go home, but you got to get the hell. You got to get the hell out of here because my mind belongs to Jesus. Not just my body, not just my spirit, not just my soul, but my mind belongs to Christ. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get the hell out of here. Some say, Pastor, are you telling me to cuss? If it's at the devil, <laughs> ain't nobody hurting. <laughs> well, first question is, where are you coming from? The second question is, where are you going? Where are you going? Because this is what you got to be careful. Listen, it's one thing to lead your thoughts. And it's another thing for your thought to lead you. It's one thing to hold a thought. But it's another thing for a thought to have a hold of you. Some of y'all got in trouble in 2018. Because you let a thought lead you to the other way around. Sitting there all lonely on the couch. Talking about, I should text him. <laughs> no, you should not. <laughs> Driving down the street, watching a boat on the lake. I should get a boat. Can you pay the rent? No, you should not. Just one drink. And you, you name it. But, 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 but you got you to gotta take authority. Here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. When I was trying to train my dog, we got Patrick here. Pastor Patrick, will you stand up real quick? This is Patrick. He's our dream team pastor. And uh, the truth is, the truth is he's actually just a pastor like by day like, or by night. He moonlights as a pastor. Um, he actually is he, he's a CEO, owns his own company, Shackle Free Dog Training. And, uh, and, I, and I brought him over the house because um, I was like, man, I got a dog. His name's Blue. You know, and, uh, he's crazy. Some spirits up in here. <laughs> He's a psychopath in another life. <laughs> and so I need help. I'm gonna need help learning. He said, "Well, let me see you walk. Let me see you walk through this. Let me see you walk through this. Hey, can you help me real quick? And, and you, would you mind doing a dog for just a second? It's just a symbol. It's not real. It's just a symbol. Can y'all see me in the back? You good? Just wrap this around your waist. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool, cool. No, yeah, just hold it like that. Just hold it on. You good, man? You good? All right, so we went for a walk. Go ahead, walk in Puma. And I was like, dang, man, come on. Come on. In the name of Jesus, go shut that up, go send it. Stop it, stop playing, bro. Stop playing. Come on. And Patrick is looking at me. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm taking my dog for a walk. He said, you're not walking your dog. He's walking you. I said, well, what would you have me do? Now, I'm going to tell you something about Patrick. He got powers. Like, he got superpowers. He walks into my house. I got two dogs. He walks into my house. The moment he comes in, every animal in the house lays on his back and pops his paws up. Just, like, the master has arrived. You know, just do as you will. He said, this is not what you do. He said, because if you let him lead, he thinks you're in charge. He said, you got to go like this. You got to wrap it up. Put it here. Put it up in your hand. And you got to get right here. And you got to get in front. You got to come up. You tell him where to go. He says, and if he gets, and if he starts coming up, you give him a little tap, and you say, heal. Heal. That's an interesting term. Because I remember in Genesis chapter 3.16, when God was prophesying about Jesus and how he's going to save the world, he said, the serpent will bite you, but your heel will crush his hair. 
He said, your heel will put him in place. Your heel will put him in position. Your heel will tell him where to go and what to. That's interesting to me because I remember when Jesus was about to go to the cross and he had a best friend named Peter. And Peter started to fill Jesus' head with thoughts. He said, Jesus, don't die now. We need you. You're my best friend. I love you. We want more time with you. And then Jesus looked at Peter because the thought was getting. See, you never let your thoughts get ahead of you. The thought was getting ahead of Jesus. Maybe I shouldn't go to the cross. Maybe I should stay on earth a little bit longer. And I love what Jesus said to Peter. He knew where the thought come from. See, Jesus had his TSA already set up. He said, beep, beep, beep. Satan, get thee behind me because I'm the one in charge. And so now I'm going to leave my thoughts and I'm going to tell my thoughts where to go. And I'm no longer going to be led by my feelings. I'm no longer going to be led by emotion. But I'm going to let destiny decide my decisions, the places that I want to go, the places that God's called me to go. That's where I'm going. And my feelings are going to follow. And my thoughts are going to follow. This will help you if you start working at a new office place and you got a cute little secretary that just started there. And you're married and, and, she, and you made a joke at the front and she laughed even though you know it was corny. She laughed at your corny joke, and you're thinking, oh, okay. Go. And that thought, and that thought, hey, here's what you go, thought, uh-uh, we're not going this way, uh-uh. We're not going that way, we're not going towards divorce. We're not going towards infidelity. We're going towards that 30-year wedding anniversary. Come on, we're going this way right here. We're going to celebrate. This is where we're going. Now, now when we get to 30, we'll reevaluate, but we're making it to 30, you <laughs> know. At the least, at the least, you need to take charge of your thoughts. You need to be confident in the person that God's called you to be. Know what you want your life to look like in 20 years and make sure that every thought and every feeling lines up with where you want to be, where you want to go, the plans that God has for your life. You will not take charge of me anymore. You will not take charge of me anymore. But here's how you do it. You want to get real practical? Because, because I could just tell you that and you could be like, oh, that's good. I felt it when you said that. And you pulled them, mm, I felt that. But I still don't know what to do. Let me help you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. goes like this, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, say this part with me. Think about such things. In the Greek, that means make it a habit of thought. Make it a habit of thought. Worst advice I ever got as a struggling teenager with my mind. Youth pastor, I'm struggling. I'm, I got these thoughts. He said, stop thinking those things. Oh, okay. I know it's that easy. Would you mind pointing the off button? Because didn't, I didn't get an instruction manual when I got the equipment. You can't stop thinking those things. You can't stop thinking. That means there is a word for stop thinking. It's called dead. But while you're alive... You're going to have thoughts. We don't stop thinking. Here's what we do. We shift thinking. So when it comes up, we shift. We pivot. We turn. We shift it. Shift it to what? Shift it to something noble. Shift it to something praiseworthy. Shift it to something beautiful. Because here's what's happening. Your mind right now feels like a desktop with 80 windows open at the same time. And you think that you're multi-thinking, but you're not. Your brain is constituted in a way we can only think of one thing at a time. Did you know that? Even the computer, it looks like it's doing it all really fast, but it's not. It's not doing it all at one time. It's actually taking a turn at the fraction of a second solving a problem because not even a computer can think two things at one time. So if you're thinking about a positive thought, you cannot be thinking about a negative thought. And if you're thinking about a negative thought, you cannot be thinking about a positive thought. So here's what happens. It's just you don't think it works like that because you're outnumbered by negativity. 
your mind is outnumbered by negativity. But somewhere in those 80 thoughts, somewhere in the anxiety, somewhere in the stress, somewhere in the depression, listen, is the thought of your bride or your groom on that wedding day. Somewhere in, in those thoughts is you when you graduated high school. Somewhere in those thoughts is, is, and if none of that happens, if you're single, you haven't been married, you're a teenager, whatever, somewhere in those thoughts, listen, is who you were before you met Jesus Christ. It's one of the 80, and when it takes its turn around the carousel and gets right there in front of your mind's eye, here's what you do. I'm going to give you a little tip. It's three words, one phrase, and it happens to be the title of my message. When that thought makes its way to the front of your mind, you need to learn to... You hold that thought, and you hold it with everything that you got. And when the enemy tries to shift it, you go, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. he loves me. Yeah, but what about everything that's going on with your money right now? No, 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 my God shall supply all my needs with all of his riches and glory. But what about what's going on in life right now? Uh, uh. I'm going to hold on to his mercy. I'm going to hold on to his truth. I'm going to hold on to his promises. I'm sorry, devil. I'm going to hold that thought. I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm beautiful, I'm loved, I'm a son or daughter of God. I'm not going nowhere. And then he's pushing. Depression, hatred, depression, hatred. Nah, nah, nah. Forgiven, loved, broken, a mess. Nah, nah, nah. Righteous, holy, 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 holy. Holy, 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 holy. Oh. Hold the thought, church. Hold the thought. Hold the thought. Hold the thought. Hold the thought. Hold the thought of his beauty. Hold the thought of his... Somebody here today, you're on the verge of giving up. You're right there at the line. God wants to get you on a new life. But the enemy is accusing you of everything you've done and all that you've been, the choices you made even this week. I want you to know that in heaven there's a throne room. There's a judge sitting on the throne. And he's hearing the case of the enemy. And his case is pretty good. How many people know that to be true? His case is pretty good. But you have a defender. When the enemy is done making his case, he sits up and he goes, Hey, judge, before you pass the verdict, hold that thought. I got some evidence to submit. Evidence A I like to submit the holes in my hands. I'd like to submit the price that I paid on the cross. I'd like to submit the scar on my side. I'd like to submit as evidence to the court and all these witnesses, the marks on my head from where the thorns dug into my scar. I'd like to submit to the evidence that although he is guilty, that his bounty has been paid by me, the son of God. I'd like to submit that he is free and that he no longer has to pay the price for his past. I'd like to submit that his future is secure. The judge, case closed on one condition, 
Do you want it? Do you want it? You want this free gift? You want this life? It's yours. If you want it, you can have it. It's yours. It's yours. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you and you want it, when I say three, I want you to shoot your right hand up to the sky quickly. Jesus, I need you. I need you in my heart. I need you in my life. I want to start a new life from this day forward. I'm tired of wrestling with my thoughts. I give you all of me. On three, if that's you. One, all over this building. Two, come on, give it to Jesus. One, two, three right now. If that's you, shoot your hand up high. Come on, shoot your hand up high. Come on, if you need Jesus in your life, forget about who's looking. This is between you and God right now. It's time to restore. It's time to go home. It's time to be home. Amen. Put your hand down. Pray this prayer with me if you raise your hand. If you're just at church today, I want you to pray this prayer with me too. Worship team, let's pray this prayer. Father God, I give you my heart and I give you my mind. Every thought and every stronghold, I make it obedient to you today. Take my life. Forgive me for my past. I start you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.